Hi, I'm your host, Jeff Burton. At time of recording, I'm 67 years old, and just this year I was diagnosed as autistic. This is my story. Well, here we are again. Last time I told you about my diploma year and uh, all that happened in that. Now we're going to start looking at... uh, how uh, my professional life began. And let's remember I was an undiagnosed autistic, had no idea what the hell was going on. I survived the diploma year despite the crashing and burning of my personal life. I graduated, supposedly able to teach high school students about mathematics and physics. From this distant perspective, I can now recognize that teaching was probably not the right career for me. As it unfolded, I was reasonably good at it, as recognised by my peers. They could have been lying, but I'll take encouragement wherever I can find it. Students like me, generally speaking, but teaching is a career of giving your all, of holding command of your classroom ship, of endurance, Of course, there were bright moments that fed my soul. I love the moment when I could see enthusiasm and understanding begin to grow in students when they learn something new, when they understood something and lit up because of it. But there were times of drudgery, deadlines and pointless exercises and systems changing over and over again. Endless professional development sessions that were unwanted and unneeded. Dickens was right. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. I didn't know that Dickens taught high school. I started my career in high school in a regional town. It was quite a large high school, and like all large high schools, had its professional hierarchies, both formal and informal. Teachers were housed in staff rooms. There was no room for me in the science staff room. Oh, well. There was no room for me in the math staff room either. Oh, dear. I was relegated to the English staff room. Hmm. The universe continued to cast me in the role of an outsider, a role I took to all too easily. I was trained to teach senior mathematics and physics, you might recall. No chance of that. This particular town was regarded as a plum posting by teachers. Consequently, the teaching staff at its high schools tended to be populated with teachers who'd been there for 300 years or more. All the desirable classes were taught by the same teachers year after year. You had to wait for someone to die. I chose not to hire a hitman. Being a young, single teacher, it was expected that I would soon do country service, a two-year stint in a very rural or remote location. This would earn me brownie points and a better location in the years following. I was very lonely during that year. I didn't really make any good friends 
except for one uh, new graduate like myself, an English teacher. Um, of course, as time went by, I blew that friendship. Thus it was, at the end of the first year, I was posted to a tiny and remote school in cattle country. The cattle could have it, as far as I was concerned. It was what was called a secondary department, a small primary school with an even smaller high school bit tacked on. The high school bit had under 30 students and only went to year 10, so no senior classes. Will he never get to teach advanced mathematics and physics? Not for quite a while, folks. It was interesting. Bleak shared housing was provided. There was a pub and a single store. As far as I could tell, nobody had read a book there. Poetry was banned unless it was a bush ballad. Let's pause for a moment and consider the mental health of this young teacher with a history of social isolation and depression who had difficulty coping with change. I found myself liking scotch. I liked it quite a bit. I liked it at night after school while listening to my record collection of melancholy songs. I liked it half a bottle at a time. It helped to cultivate my image of myself as a Sinatra-like cool guy, world-weary and wounded. I could easily have ended up an alcoholic, but I began to notice what I was doing and stop myself. Then I became addicted to something even worse. I became an evangelical Christian. I'm sorry, it's true. By this time I was married. The story of my marriage and family life is coming in the next bit. Like everything else I did, I tried, to, tried hard to fit into my new tribe but there was always something slightly off for me, some little niggle that kept me thinking. My continuing search for spiritual connection in my life over many years saw me become Baptist, Catholic, Atheist, Buddhist, and finally, a Stoic. All of this was a story for the future. For now, I read job opportunities and applied for and got a position teaching science and mathematics at a Christian school in Melbourne, run in alliance with the Dutch Reformed Church. It was a bit of a disaster. We only lasted eight months. Like every religious community I have ever been in, there were splits and arguments, crisis meetings, resignations, colleague against colleague, doctrinal disputes. It was awful, and as a young Christian, I was dismayed and hurt. I resigned. We returned to Brisbane and sought employment once again with the monolithic state education department. I was lucky enough to be offered a job at a well-regarded school in Brisbane. My skills, as yet untested in mathematics and physics, made me a valuable asset at the time. Little did they know. My wife was not so lucky and was condemned to teach at a series of schools in low socioeconomic areas. She was only shot at once. Ten years went by. They were mostly pleasant. I got to finally teach my beloved physics and advanced mathematics courses. 
I also began to consciously formulate what I believed was good teaching practice and identify the core values that those practices rested upon. It began to dawn on me that the very structures of high school education, as they were then, were in complete opposition to the foundational beliefs about education I was beginning to discover within myself. After several detours to be outlined in the next bit, I decided to transfer to primary education, where children were younger and therefore less likely to hit me. I ended up at a relatively small primary school run by a kind but underappreciated principal. It was heaven. I believed that an important element in education was a strong relationship between student and teacher, and here I was with the same 25 students for five hours a day, five days a week. What mattered was my character and how my communication with students showed them they were valued and safe. And we had fun. I was to remain at that school for the next 10 years until I retired. And I was tired. I gave everything. But I truly believe that I made a positive difference to a lot of lives. Now, as my professional life was unfolding, let's have a look at what was happening in my emotional and social life. I met my wife at that small country town where we were both young teachers. That was over 40 years ago. She has become my rock and foundation over the ensuing years of my roller coaster ride of emotional life. Partners of people who are autistic have a difficult task. I salute them. Partners of people who are undiagnosed autistic must wonder what the hell they've done to deserve this. My particular brand, which may not be yours, was mostly characterised by frequent bouts of depression. We did have some things to be depressed about, so we didn't really recognise the pathological nature of it. Early in our marriage, we moved to Melbourne to teach in that private Christian school. It almost immediately went into schism. This was a difficult experience for us both. We had to come limping back to Queensland and beg for our old jobs back after only eight months. No wonder you're a bit depressed. Our first child, Albert, was born. Not his real name. He had medical problems that meant he screamed for the first year. At one point he stopped breathing. One more rushed trip to hospital. I have very few memories of that whole first year because we were both so sleep-deprived and anxious. It turned out to be gastric reflux. No wonder you're a bit depressed. After two years, my wife became pregnant again. This turned out to be twins. Twin boys, in fact. Autistic twin boys, in fact. By this stage, we have moved from Brisbane to a country town since our firstborn had very bad asthma. Diagnosis, testing, speech therapy, early intervention. My wife bore the brunt of most of it. But of course, 
No wonder you're a bit depressed. We moved towns again so the boys might have a better shot at education. Poor Albert, our eldest, was uprooted because of his brothers. I was transferred to a very rough high school. I could barely stand it and started seeing a therapist for the first time. His diagnosis? No wonder you're a bit depressed. My solution was to transfer at the end of that year to be a primary school teacher. It was a lovely small school. The town school that the twins had started to attend, touted as excellent for autistic spectrum disorder, turned out to be awful. We had a number of disagreements with the staff there with no satisfactory resolution. I cautiously asked my principal and colleagues at the small country school I was teaching at if they would consider taking on my boys. Bless their big hearts. They happily did so with a fraction of the resources of the town school. Bertie and Caesar, not their real names, had seven happy years held in the bosom of care of that whole school. I even taught them once. Negotiating all that territory was tough and it took a lot of energy. No wonder you're a bit depressed. Meanwhile, Albert was having a hard time of his own in the town school and after some discussion we moved him to our small school. Albert was a very bright and sensitive child who had his own battle with depression. Appointments with therapists ensued. Toward the end of year seven for the twins, I began to get very depressed as I contemplated the boys moving from their safe little school into the enormous and difficult high school in town. This was the same high school that I, as a teacher, had to escape after one year. I started to have nightmares about it. I was physically frightened of the future for them. Fear of the future is a big thing for me. Mind you, I'm also afraid of the present. I'm not afraid of the past. I just regret a lot of things I said and did in it. I had my first trip to a psychiatrist. This was my wife's psychiatrist. She was much more sensible than me and had sought help earlier. I cried in his office. He told me I was depressed and prescribed antidepressants, the first of many continuing rounds. Of course, it turns out that some antidepressants are not appropriate for autistic people, although, to be fair, by this stage, nobody knew I was autistic, including me. Still, wrong medication, and I still got depressed. This sounds a bit like my think, I think my kids caused all my problems. I can emphatically tell you this is not the case. The fault was mine. I loved them all so hard, you see. I worried and worked so hard to keep them protected and safe from the world. I fought for them and I was wounded in the fighting, but I would do it again in a heartbeat. Parents are supposed to pour themselves out for their children and my wife and I did. Besides, it turned out all right in the end. In fact, my eldest son is married, a, success, a successful writer, producer and playwright. I have two beautiful granddaughters who are better than any antidepressant. The twins are living independently 
And all of them have the biggest hearts in the world and all of them bring joy and light to everyone they meet. I am intensely proud. My wife and I are comforted seeing them now and recognising that it was all worth it. Of course, now our children are mostly independent. We have lost the main reason for living that we clung to for 20 years. No wonder you're a bit depressed. Next time we'll be talking about bullies, mine in particular and bullies in general, and the effect, the terrible effect it can have on some people, and in particular, me. So thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.